Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today, we're going to look at scriptures from the week of 7 Easter. Now, what is the week of 7 Easter? Jesus Christ rose from the dead on Easter Day. We celebrate Easter week. The next week is the week of 2 Easter, the second Sunday of Easter. And then we go all the way to 7. Why 7? That's 49 days. The next day is Pentecost, which means 50. So in the season of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down on the disciples gathered in the upper room, Acts chapter 2, which Jesus told them about in Acts chapter 1 at the end of Luke chapter 24, the end of Luke, the end of Luke's gospel, which we are currently studying, by the way, reading. So the Holy Spirit comes down, but you'll see also in your post You see scriptures from Sunday to Saturday that include week of seven Easter. Then we have the eve of Pentecost and the day of Pentecost. And then we have the eve of Trinity Sunday and Trinity Sunday. What is Trinity Sunday? Trinity Sunday is the first Sunday after Pentecost, which we typically call that Trinity Sunday. Then after that, or the second Sunday after Pentecost, the third Sunday after Pentecost, the fourth, the fifth, etc. And we include them, we include... Pentecost and Trinity Sunday in this week of 7 Easter. And then when we meet together for next week, we'll be back in the Sundays after Pentecost. Now, you'll notice in your readings for this week, we have Ezekiel in the Old Testament and Isaiah, Exodus. And in the New Testament, we've got Ephesians and Hebrews and 1 Corinthians And in the gospel lessons, we've got Matthew, we've got Luke, and we've got John. So there's a tremendous amount of reading for this week. It's very, very good. But it's going to be impossible for me to go through every one of these scriptures with you well. So enjoy your study. Enjoy your reading. If I miss one that you would like some commentary on or some thoughts on, I'm sorry. But uh, I'm going to try to hit the high points as we go through. Okay, let's go through... Uh, the Old Testament and look at the prophet Ezekiel. Remember we talked about Ezekiel last week. Ezekiel 3.16, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. So the word of the Lord is coming to the prophet. The prophet is going to share that word with the people of Israel. The people of Israel are supposed to listen to that word and do what it says. That word is first set for them in their context we read that word and we reflect upon how God is speaking to us in our context. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak to you and give them a warning from me. When I say to the wicked man, you will surely die and you do not warn him or dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will suffer for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man and he does not turn from the wickedness or from his evil ways, he will die in his sin and you will save yourself. What's the word for us today? May the Lord lead us to speak the word of the Lord in love and mercy and in truth to the person that does not know the Lord to warn him or her from their sinful ways so that you and I will not be in some sense accountable for his blood. He's still going to perish. We're going to be held accountable. So it matters very much 
your witness and my witness, you're telling and speaking up as the Spirit of God leads you. You and I are Christ's ambassadors. We need to speak up, particularly for the person that does not know the Lord, who may perish everlastingly because they did not follow the Lord. And if God is leading you, please share that information. Chapter 4, 1 through 17, is a beautiful scripture about uh, Jerusalem. Son of man, verse 1, take a clay tablet in front of you and draw the city of Jerusalem. Then laid siege to it. Lay siege to it. Oh, my. And so, verse 4, you lie on your left side, you put the sin of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. I mean, so the prophet is dealing with the word of the Lord, and the prophet is dealing with hearing God and having to deal with the people's sin in his own flesh. It's amazing what he has to go through. Chapter 7. Verse 8, I am about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. It matters, folks, what we do and what we don't do. And so we need to do what God says. Remember last week we talked about Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 10. And we talked about how we need to hear the commandments of the Lord and we need to do the commandments of the Lord. Here now he says it through the prophet. Then he says in verse 10, the day is here, it has come, doom has burst forth, the rod has budded, arrogance has blossomed, violence has grown into a rod to punish wickedness. God is going to deal with wickedness. God is going to bless those people that are faithful to him. You want to be on the side of faithfulness, the way you get on the side of faithfulness is to know and do the commandments of the Lord. Know what God wants you to do as we go through these scriptures, look for that information. Look for that discipline for the Lord. Look for that direction for the Lord as you're reading. As I said earlier, I can't read all of this material with you. I'm going to read along with you this week regarding these scriptures and think about them in relationship to myself and what I need to do before God. Chapter 11, 14 to 25. You see that in your post. Chapter 11, 14 to 25. It says... I will give them an undivided heart, verse 19, and put a new spirit in them. Now, this is something very positively that God was going to do. In the last scripture, I talked about God pouring out his wrath. Now he's going to put his, new, his spirit in them, a new spirit. I will remove from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. This is a work that God's going to do and only God can do by saving them. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I'm going to give them this desire to keep my laws. And I pray that for all of our audience, that God would give us a desire, a willingness by changing our heart, a willingness to do the word of the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to the vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on them their own heads what they have done. You see the two people. There's blessing and reward as God moves upon people to do his will and unfortunately cursing and wrath for those who do not respond to the Lord and are devoted to wrongdoing. Chapter 18 is a great chapter in the book of Ezekiel. You find this on Thursday, chapter 18. Let's look at uh, chapter 18, the second half of verse 4. The soul who sins is the one who dies. Sin is a very serious thing against the Lord. 
chapter 18, verse 19, the one, the soul who sins is the one who will die, says it a second time. The son will, shall, will not share the guilt of the father, nor the father share the gift of the son. They're independent from one another. The righteousness righteousness of the righteous man will be credited to him the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against him again the righteous person the wicked person the one that follows the lord the one that doesn't follow the lord if a righteous man verse 26 turns from his righteousness and commits sin he will die for it because of the sin he's committed he will die but if a wicked man turns away from the wickedness he's committed and does what is just and right he will save his life because he considers all the offenses he has committed, he will save his life. He, who, he will turn away from them. He will surely live. He will not die. Look at verses 27 and 28. Okay? And so the Lord says in verse 30, I will judge you. I will judge you according to what you have done, according to your ways. Repent. That's the message for all of us. Repent. Turn away from your offenses then sin will not be your downfall. If you do not turn away, then sin is going to be a big problem. Rid yourself of the offenses you've committed. Get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. I don't want anybody to perish, says the Lord. Repent and live. That's what we're called to do. Repent and live. And I hope all of us are practicing that on a daily basis. Ezekiel 34. This is about the shepherd and the sheep. A very beautiful passage about the importance of shepherd and sheep. Ezekiel 43. We're just turning pages right now for the sake of time. Ezekiel 43, 1 through 12. He says in verse 2, I saw the glory of God coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. <clears throat> A break right there. <clears throat> then the Lord lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory returns to the temple in subsequent verses. Exodus 19 on the eve of Pentecost. Exodus 19, 3 through 8, 16 to 20. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain. This is what you're to say in the house of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, where have we heard that before, and keep my covenant that all the nation, out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, who wouldn't want that? All you got to do is obey the Lord. So in the short life that we have, all you have to do is what God says. The scriptures contain the information that I'm sharing with you in the daily lectionary on what you need to know and what you need to do. May God give you the grace to do that. On the day of Pentecost, we celebrate Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. And Isaiah 11 is a beautiful passage. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The branch is Jesus, ultimately. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This is a person that's going to be raised up by the Lord and be a great person. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Again, all of these scriptures from Ephesians and Philippians are just fantastic. Um, and I will just make a few 
point out a few of them to you, but you're just going to enjoy them very much in this week. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now in the work of those at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the desires of our sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But God, in his mercy, saved us. It's been by grace you've been saved, verse 8. World, the flesh, and the devil, salvation by Christ. World, the flesh, and the devil in 2, 1 through 3, salvation in Christ, the mercy of Christ, the grace of Christ, through faith in verses 8, 9, and 10. We are God's workmanship, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. A great scripture, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Hebrews 6, 1 through 12 is wonderful because it encourages us to keep the word of the Lord, to keep moving forward, to keep moving forward in the faith. Sometimes it's not an easy thing to do. Therefore, verse 1, leave, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. It's impossible for those who have been enlightened, verse 4, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God back, crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Keep moving forward in your walk with God. These scriptures that we share with you every week, these scriptures in this post from Sunday to Saturday, Eve of Pentecost, uh, Pentecost Sunday, Eve of Trinity Sunday, and Trinity Sunday are to help you and me to grow in the faith and to mature in the faith and to move forward in the faith, not to have any kind of problem in terms of moving forward. Hebrews 7 on Wednesday, then we look at Hebrews chapter 8 and chapter 9. Again, for the sake of time, let's look at chapter 9, 1 to 14. He's talking about the earthly tabernacle. He says in verse 11, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. This is what they've done for years and years and years and years. But he entered the most holy place in the temple. Once for all, by his own blood, having attained eternal redemption. So Jesus, is, uh, his redemption is eternal, it's perfect. It is in the most holy place with his own blood. He does not have to keep doing this over and over again. He says that in 13, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outward clean. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? May the blood of Christ cleanse you from your sin, from my sin. Cleanse your conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God and be saved. Again, read these scriptures 
slowly. They are wonderful and they are immensely powerful. Great scripture from 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 10 in the eve of Pentecost about the Spirit of God in 1 Corinthians. Back to Ephesians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at that text. Very plain, very to the point. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. The calling you received from the Lord, live accordingly. Your calling from God to follow him, to love him, to serve him, and his mercy, his forgiveness to you, live a life worthy. Be All right, what do you want me to do? Be completely humble and gentle. Verse 2. Be patient. There's three things. Bear with one another in love. Five, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, you and I could work a lifetime just on that. Humility, gentleness, patience, love. Great way to live your life. Okay? So, live according to the word of the Lord. Live according to his care and love for you. Look at verse 20 of chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and of Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus can do more than you can ask or imagine according to the power that is work within us. So you want the power of the Lord in you. You want the grace of God to lead you to salvation. You want the grace of God to open up your mind, cleanse your conscience. Then you want the, work, the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to do the things he's called you to do in the scriptures. There's a lot to think about in these scriptures. A lot to think about. Luke chapter 9, the gospel scriptures for, that are listed again in your post. 951. Now, this is a good scripture. <clears throat> he sets out for Jerusalem as he approached for him to be taken into heaven, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Isn't that an interesting opening? As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, at the ascension. He set his face toward Jerusalem because he knew he had to go to Jerusalem to die. Now, if he could chose not to go to Jerusalem, he wouldn't have died for us. So thank God that Jesus did what the Father called him to do. 57 to 62, a man sees him on the road as he's going to Jerusalem. I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So I don't have a place that I'm living right now. He said to another person, follow me. The man said, I got to go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury your own, their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another person said, again as he's walking, I will follow you, Lord, but look, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. We are here to do the will of the Lord. We are here to proclaim the kingdom. We are here to follow Jesus. Oftentimes we come up with reasons why we're not going to do that or why we can't do that right now. Jesus is dealing with that. It sounds pretty harsh. No one who puts his hand, verse 62, to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. 
You can't go back and do what you want to do and at the same time follow the Lord in his kingdom and do his will. There has to be a resoluteness about following him. Okay. Luke chapter 10, he sends out the 72. So he's got 12 that minister with him that he's teaching, and then he sends out the 72, and they're going to be ministering. So the whole point is to teach us how to minister in the name of the Lord and have the Holy Spirit come with us to minister in the name of the Lord and to extend the kingdom of God. Let's continue on in chapter 10, 25 to 37. We have the great parable of the Good Samaritan. Can, can hardly get better than the Good Samaritan what that means. You know? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and all your mind. That's hard enough as it is, but important in what we need to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And then he tells the, the famous story. This is your neighbor. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Verse 36. The one who had mercy on him. You go and have mercy. I go and have mercy. Fabulous teaching. One of the great teachings in the entire Bible. And certainly one that most people know. Then we go to the home of Martha and Mary. Mary chooses to sit with Jesus and listen. Martha wants to get food ready, get everything together. Jesus, have Mary come and help me. Martha, Martha, verse 41, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I wonder how many times we get all uptight and all nervous and all panicky about certain things, and they don't have a lot of importance. And Jesus says, it's important for Mary to listen to what I have to say. So you want to create time in your week for Christ. You want to create time for studying the scriptures. You want to take time for prayer, for contemplation, for listening. And again, the daily lectionary is perfect for that. So as you're studying the scriptures, give yourself time to meditate and to think about what you're reading. I'm going through it fairly quickly. You certainly don't want to do that. You just want to take your time and you want to read the text from day to day as we have them listed. Chapter 11, 14 to 23, Jesus drives out a demon, and they think he's Beelzebub. They think he's Satan. Isn't that crazy? If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? How can I be Satan and then drive out Satan? That doesn't make any sense, he says. I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, then by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I'm not driving out devils because I'm the devil. I am sent from God, and God is driving them out for the kingdom of God. I'm trying to liberate people. I'm trying to bless people. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has come. Very powerful. Just the theology regarding Satan and what Jesus' role in that is. We finish with John 14 and John chapter 1. John 14, 21, 29. John 14, all you have to do to me is say John 14. The whole thing is fantastic. 
21 to 29. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Now, you, can you get a better relationship with that? You love Jesus because you love his commands and you obey him. He loves you, and the Father is going to be shown to you. I too will love him and show myself to him. He will be loved by my Father. If anybody loves me, verse 23, he's going to obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make my home with him. The Father's going to love you. The Father and the Son are going to come and live in you. Now, is there a better relationship that you can get than that, as I said? What do you need to do? You need to love the Father. You need to love the Son. How are you going to love him? You're going to obey what he commands. We saw that in Deuteronomy chapter 8 last week. We saw that in Ezekiel. We've seen that throughout the scriptures. We saw it in Daniel seven weeks ago. Okay, We need to obey the Lord. But if you'll do that, the Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. Peace I leave with you, chapter 14. Peace I give to you. I don't give it as the world gives, that's for sure. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Have the peace of God, the shalom of God. And finally, John chapter 1 on Trinity Sunday, which we call very one of the most famous passages in the Bible, the prologue. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. There is Christ. And then in 14, he becomes flesh. He lives for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This extraordinary in the beginning. Now, as you know, there is no beginning with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are eternal in both directions. <laughs> from now to the, there's no end. There's no end. There's no beginning. It's hard to conceive of that. It's impossible from my finite mind to conceive it. But in the beginning was the Word. There's always been the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And he dwelt among us. He became, he assumed human flesh. These are extraordinary scriptures in this extraordinary week before we, um, ex as we experience Pentecost and as we move into the second half of the church here in the weeks after Pentecost. Enjoy these scriptures and enjoy their reading. Pray about them and may the Lord bless you as we continue our journey with Christ. God bless you.